Our Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning with verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, and, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses, and as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness, and the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, If the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by them. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, I will judge each of you according to his ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, 
as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 13, verse 1. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, and he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told them this parable. He told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dressers, look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. That is a fitting hymn for, uh, for this Sunday as we uh, hear these words of warning, of, of judgment, of condemnation, a uh, call to repentance, um, the last stanza of that hymn, that even though we, we see this big dark cloud, uh, ultimately God desires to, to send blessings on our head. And it's fitting for the rain that's uh, coming to us too outside today and uh, we think of those who are affected by the flooding as well. May God be with them and, and help them. And may God ultimately bring blessing through, through this as well. So today I'd like for us to focus on the message that we heard in Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel um, sometimes doesn't get as much attention as Isaiah or Jeremiah. But there are amazing prophecies in this uh, word from God that I, Ezekiel gives to us. If you'd like to turn in your uh, pew Bible to Ezekiel or turn in your, in your, if you have an app on your phone and follow along, I'd actually like to begin with a little more of the context from the beginning of uh, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 1. And we'll see the, the context for which uh, the part that we heard earlier is coming from. So if you'd like to turn to that, go for it. If not, just listen along. Um, Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, came to Ezekiel, son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, when I bring the sword against a land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not take warning and the sword comes and takes his life, His blood will be on his own head. 
Since he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning, his blood will be on his own head. If he had taken warning, he would have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. So what we see here is is an image that God is giving to Ezekiel uh, that was, you know, an image that was very pertinent to the people who lived in walled cities, had a watchman mounted up high where they could see. If the watchman saw somebody coming and warned the people, then he had done his job. Even, even if the army came and, and destroyed the people, it wouldn't, their blood wouldn't be on the watchman's hands. But if, if the watchman saw the army coming and didn't warn the people or uh, it doesn't say this here, but if he if he fell asleep and didn't warn the people, their blood would be on the watchman's hands. And so this is the this is what the lead in for what God is saying next to Ezekiel, and it's a good word for all pastors, for all who have been called to uh, shepherd God's people, to care for God's people, and I believe it's a good word for parents who have been called to shepherd their children and for grandparents who've been called to shepherd their grandchildren. So it's a word not just for pastors, but I believe for for everyone. Uh, We're all, in a sense, called to warn those for whom we have responsibility about the dangers that are out there. And what is the danger that uh, God is wanting Ezekiel to tell his people about? We find that in the following verses. Son of man, the term that God uses to address Ezekiel, a son of a man. But it's a term that Jesus also employed to refer to himself. The son of man is the way he often talked about himself. Although he's also the son of God, he is true son of man as well. And so this is also a messianic text. This is a text that points forward to Christ. And and we think of Christ's warning to the people of his day, warning them to repent. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, a wicked man, you will surely die and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways and he does and does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. So the danger that God is wanting Ezekiel to warn his people about isn't an army that's coming. It's, it's their own sin. It's their own, their own breaking of God's commands. And so I think it's important that we, that we think about that today, that we think about our sin, that we think about our sin individually and corporately, corporately and, and even as a nation. What are the sins that are standing between you and God, between us and God? And as I address the problem of sin today, I hope you won't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that one sin is worse than another. All sin is uh, wrong in God's eyes. And as um, God spoke through Ezekiel earlier, Even if there's a righteous man, but he breaks the commands, say he goes out and murders someone, all of his righteousness won't save him. 
he'll have to deal with that sin. And if he continues in that sin, uh, he will have to pay the, the punishment for it, the final punishment for it. He will die for his sin. <laughs> and the death that God is talking about here isn't just a temporal death. Everyone will die as a result of their sin. That's a, that's a given. The death that God is talking about here is, is the eternal death. Whether one will live in the presence of God or be separated from God forever and eternity. And so what are those sins that separate us from God? It's something we, we don't like to talk about. We get, we get, it's something I don't like to talk about. We get, uh, uneasy, uncomfortable. We don't like to, uh, to think about, uh, those things that we've done, done wrong or that we continue to do that are wrong, that put a barrier between us and God. We'd rather just gloss over that and, and focus on something else, right? But the problem is, if, if we don't focus on it, if we don't address it, we remain in that sin. And that sin will destroy us. That sin will kill us. And it's the watchman's job to warn you about that sin and to warn you about that consequence. And if the watchman doesn't do his job, then the watchman is accountable. And ultimately, those who were supposed to hear the watchman's words will be destroyed. So may God open all of our ears to hear this word from God about our sin. And may each of our consciences be pricked. Um, and, and may that pricking of our conscience lead us to repentance and ultimately thereby to, to salvation. And realize that as I talk about sin, and as I said, it's something that I don't like to talk about and that you don't like to hear about, but something we need to talk about and hear about. Uh, I stand before you as, like Paul described himself, the worst of sinners, uh, a sinner just as much as you. Uh, and so I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that I'm somehow, uh, above all this. I'm, I'm certainly not. Parents, you are a, a watchman to your children, grandparents to your grandchildren. It's important that you teach them the commandments, uh, that you instruct them in God's word, that we shall have no other God before the true God. And even though our, our society might teach that there are many gods and everyone can just choose their way and uh, it doesn't really matter, that's, that's not what God teaches us. And that's not what we are to teach our children and our grandchildren. There is one God. There's only one way to heaven, and Jesus made this very clear, no, that no one can come to God apart from Jesus Christ. God makes this the, the first of his commandments in the hopes that we would hear and, and listen, and as we make him God, as we, as we uh, accept him for who he is, the true God, that all his other words to us will have the voice of authority in our lives and will instruct us and will 
and we'll, we'll take this, his word seriously. And the second commandment is that we shall not take the norm, name of the Lord our God in vain. And uh, it saddens me to hear uh, today, uh, oh my God, just everybody seems to be just tossing this uh, epithet off their lips like, oh my God. Like tossing in the name of our God under the rug or on the floor. Uh, that's not how we're to use God's name. Uh, we are to, to use God's name in a respectful way. We are, we are to use God's name as Luther teaches us in, in prayer, in praise. But not, uh, not to slander the name of God or just to throw it off of our, our lips and our tongue like it has no special meaning. This isn't the right way to use the name of God. Parents and grandparents, we're called to be the watchman for our children and grandchildren. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Um, It's good that we're here. It's good that you are here this morning to hear God's word, to receive this word of instruction, to hear the, the word of rebuke and also the word of grace. It's important that we bring our children regularly, faithfully to God's house to hear that word of God. And it's important that we take a a day of rest, a day to to rest from our labors, to recover from the strains of this life, to rest on the seventh day as God himself rested after the six days of creation and called his people to do the same. Parents and grandparents, as watchmen, we teach our children to honor their parents, honor your father and mother, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on, on the earth, the first commandment with a promise. And not only our parents and grandparents, but all whom God has placed in authority over us, include, including our governing authorities, to treat uh, those that God has placed in authority over us with respect and honor. To instruct our children not to kill, not to murder, and not only um, with our hands, but as Jesus made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount, with our words, with our thoughts even, that if we call somebody a fool under our breath, it's the same as if uh, the same judgment awaits us as if we had murdered them. And so each of us need to hear this word. Uh, you shall not murder. Let that word convict you. Let it convict me so that we change our ways. God calls us not to commit adultery, not only with our bodies, but as Jesus made it clear, if we look lustfully at another person, we have committed adultery with them in our heart. This uh, judgment awaits the individual who uh, commits adultery with his heart as well as his body. Let us hear this word and let it convict us and transform our lives. We're taught that we should not steal by God's word, that we shouldn't take what is not ours. And this must be taught to our children and our grandchildren as watchmen over them. We're not to bear false witness against our neighbor. We're not to speak words that aren't good about our neighbor falsely. And as Luther teaches us in his explanation, but we're to speak words that uh, put the best construction on everything, that speak kindly of our neighbor and think well of our neighbor. 
And we're not to covet. We're not to want those things that aren't ours, that belong to, to someone else. God addresses the, the sin of greed. All of these messages are, are messages that we need to hear. We need to be reminded of daily. Because sin is such a powerful force in our, in our world, in our own lives, in our sinful flesh. And the sin would so quickly choose what is against God's will. We must remind ourselves, we must hear what God's word has to say about sin so that we might turn away, that we might repent. And we think about not only our individual sin, but our our corporate sin. And I think it's especially important to think about those sins that society as a whole is saying are okay. There's nothing wrong with this. Because it's all too easy to get pulled into that stream when God calls us to fight against that stream. And it doesn't matter what uh, political orientation one might have. There, there are sins that uh, are, are minimized and sins that are maximized. We like to point at someone else's sin instead of seeing our own. And so whether it's social injustice and not caring for the poor and needy, or environmental irresponsibility and not caring for the planet and the, and the plants and the animals that God has given us to have charge over, or the, the greed of our corporation and, and of in, individuals, which puts money ahead of every other value, or whether it's sexual sin, immorality outside of marriage, or the breaking of marriage and divorce, or uh, the, the neglecting of the, of the least, of those who can't speak out, whether it's those who are living or those who are yet unborn. All of these social sins, we might say, are, are sins that society would say, uh, one branch or another branch of society might say, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's fine. But God's word says, no, that's not fine. Don't. Don't give in to the stream of of your uh, culture that would tell you that sin is okay. It's not okay. It's wrong. And if the watchman doesn't warn the people under his charge, if the pastor doesn't speak out against sin, he hasn't done his job, and God will hold him accountable. And if you as a parent and, and a grandparent don't, Teach your children and grandchildren these words to those who are under your charge, under your care. You will be held accountable too. We are watchmen. We are called to be God's watchmen. God is so faithful in uh, speaking his word to us. I'm sure he would, he would much rather speak words that are kind and loving than words that convict and condemn But he knows that without conviction, without repentance, there is no forgiveness. There is no salvation. And so in love, he shares these words with us, and he calls us in love to share these words with another because we care about the eternal well-being of each other. It matters what happens to one when the judgment day comes. It matters eternally. In this passage, God not only addresses sin, but he also addresses 
those who would charge God with being unjust. Look at verse 10. God continues his his, uh, word of instruction to Ezekiel. Son of man, say to the house of Israel, this is what you are saying. This is what you, O house of Israel, are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we're wasting away because of them. How can we live? You know, you're, you're, you're loading us down with all this weight. How can we, how can we handle? How can we take it? And maybe, maybe you're feeling like that today. It's like, Pastor Lang, that's enough. Let's move on. What does God say to Ezekiel? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? So here is is God's plan for life, to turn. The word repent has this notion of of turning, of doing a, a 180, of turning our backs to sin and turning to God, turning our faces to God. And that's what God is calling us to do in love. He wants us to live. He delights in life, not in death. Ezekiel's uh, words of prophecy uh, continue then from chapter 33 into um, uh, the end of 33, where he prophesies Jerusalem's fall, which occurred in, in 586 B.C., uh, under the uh, Babylonians, under the ruler Nebuchadnezzar. And this fall of, of Jerusalem foreshadows the fall of Jerusalem that would come uh, in 70 AD, which Jesus prophesied under Rome. We, we look here as, as after this fall is explained that Jerusalem will fall. In, in chapter 33, verse 30, and I'm reading from the New International Version, God again calls to Ezekiel. He says, as for you, son of man, your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. They're, they're, they're acting like they want to come and hear. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths, they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs at a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. May this not be said of us. May this not be said of you and me that we come to God's house, that, that we come, oh, let's listen to God's word. But we don't put it into practice. We go home and it's like nothing has, nothing has changed. Nothing has touched our heart. It's protected with, with armor. And we get, go on living our, our life as if nothing that was said had any impact on us at all. Let that not be said of you and me. As we come to God's house, as we hear his word, let that word dig in deep. In the area where I lived prior to moving back to the Midwest, out in the Central Valley of California, it doesn't rain for six months out of the year, and the soil gets incredibly hard uh, underneath the, the, the soil that's tillable is a layer called hard pan. And we have it in some areas around here too. But with the frost and everything, sometimes they'll break it up. 
out there they have to come in with uh, huge machines that have these tines that go down six, seven feet, incredibly powerful machines, and they they rake through the hard, hard pan, and they break up the soil, and then they till it all up until that soil can be used for something because the hard pan is good for nothing. And if they were to plant their, their orchards on top of that hard pan, the, the trees wouldn't flourish. This is what God's word does in our lives. Before the, the seed of God's word, the gospel, can, can be planted on good soil and, and produce fruit, the law needs to do its work. And like, like a giant tiller, just rip up all of that uh, hardness of heart, the shield that we put around our, ourselves, around our minds, and around our hearts. We must be broken to pieces, to little bits, to become soft and tender and receptive and open so that the seed of the gospel can, can be planted and put down roots and produce a crop so that there might be a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of souls. So as you hear God's word today, may, may that tilling be, be at work in you and let it, let, it, let it have its effect with you. Don't be resistant. Be receptive. As you go home today, don't go home just thinking, oh, that was nice. Wasn't that pretty what we heard today? Let it do its work. We need to let it do its work in us. I need to let it do its work in me. I want to close with uh, another prophecy that comes just a few chapters later. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, on the apostles in Jerusalem, the people were cut to the heart. They were broken. They realized they had crucified the Messiah. And they came to Peter and they said, what shall we do? What can I do? And he said, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. You've heard a word of of conviction today. It's God's word to us today. But I want to leave you with a word of comfort and a word of assurance that as you do allow God word, God's word to do his work and, and to bring you to repentance, to bring you to say, what can I do, God? That realize that with repentance and through your baptism, there is forgiveness, there is salvation. In Ezekiel chapter 36, if you, I have this highlighted in my Bible because it's so uh, important to me. Verse uh, 25, we read this prophecy, a prophetic word about baptism. I've shared this with the Bible class before, where God says through Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live. Here is our hope. Here is our life. 
Here is our salvation, not in ourselves, in our ability to, to change ourselves and, and to become better people. Although we're called to repent and we're called to change our ways, ultimately re- we recognize, on my own, I am impotent. I cannot. But God can. And his word of hope and comfort to you today who have been torn to shreds by the, the law is that God can and God does. As you come to him in repentance, as we did in our confession this morning, God comes to you with grace. I will wash you and you will be clean. I will put my spirit in you to move you to want to want my decrees, to want my will in your life to follow me, and to keep my laws. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we together, as a body of Christ, hear your words, we are, we are torn to shreds. We realize that we are unworthy sinners, that although we try, we fail. We thank you for your words to Ezekiel, the watchman, foreshadowing Christ, who is our watchman and our good shepherd. You've warned us about our sinful ways. Oh, Lord, lead us to turn. And as you lead us to turn, as you as you bring about change in our hearts and in our lives, continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, the Holy Spirit that you poured out upon us in our baptism. Continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, the living water. Water this broken soil, Lord, and may the seed of your gospel grow and produce fruit. Be with the parents and grandparents who are here today as you've called them also to be watchmen to their children and grandchildren. Give them courage and grace to speak your words to their family members. And be with all of us, Lord, as we hear your word. Bring about the changes you desire in us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We turn to you For you are our only help in our time of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.